You're listening to the Platte River Bard. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Platte River Bard. This is Chris Berger. And I'm Sherry Berger. In our episode today, we are privileged to talk to a local hero, Jenny Gallagher. Jenny is a nurse practitioner in the Plattsmouth, Nebraska area and founder of the Facebook group Nebraska Hands and Feet. When Jenny realized her fellow nurses and medical staff in the area would be without masks and other protective equipment, she leapt into action to help. With her coordination and enthusiasm, sewing artists from all over the state have come together and made masks for those in need, and have already made over 60,000 masks and still counting, as well as surgical caps and isolation gowns. Join us for this heartfelt and candid talk with Jenny who is an incredibly warm and giving person. We were honored to talk with this local hero and honored to introduce you to her. Oh, I am a family nurse practitioner. I've been a nurse practitioner for about 13 years. Um, I was a late bloomer and went to um, college as my children grew up and realized that I could do something with all the free time I had on my hands. Uh So I went to nursing school, graduated with my bachelor's degree from the University of Mississippi in 96 and worked as an RN for years, mostly doing um, home health care, nursing home, geriatric kind of Mm -hmm. nursing. Um, Taught for about 10 or 12 years and decided during that time that it was... um, my kids were approaching leaving the home. I, I, I was facing empty nest and drop. All right. I decided that I would go to um, school again. Ah. And that's when I went to get my master's degree in uh, as a nurse practitioner. Several years later, we have grandbabies <laughs> appearing on the scene. <laughs> and all of our children belong to the military by that time. And so we decided to chase grandchildren for a while and ended up moving from Mississippi, where we had always lived, to Alaska, where we lived for about three years. Wow. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Would live there again in a heartbeat. It's beautiful and serene. The people are amazing. The places are even more amazing. Wow. Um, But it's hard to get in and out of Alaska, travel-wise. It's a long journey and weather greatly impacts flight and boating. So we decided when the orders came for our kids to leave, we would also leave. And we wound up in Omaha with our other child who we had not lived near yet. Ah. And so we got to live with near each of our sets of kids for a while. Um, they have all moved on. Nobody's left in Omaha. Oh. But um, Omaha is easy to get in and out of travel-wise. Sure. And we're located centrally in the nation. So wherever my kids go, it's still an easy um, trip to get to them. Mm-hmm. We like our neighborhood and community. And I really enjoy owning my own house call practice. Oh, wonderful. Oh, so you're doing home health for yourself then? No, I own my own business. Oh, wonderful. I do I make house calls. Well, prior to the pandemic, I made house calls. Right Right now, I'm doing all video visits. Okay. But, um, 
yes, before the pandemic, I was making house calls. If you needed um, a medical visit, I would come to your home instead of you having to go into a clinic, um, provide most of the same kinds of services Hmm. in the home that you would get in a clinic. Um, And then as things began to unfold with um, COVID-19, I began to see and hear horror stories of nurses and colleagues running out of masks and gloves and gowns. Mm -hmm. And it just, it it really broke my heart. And so I thought, heck, I can sew a mask. So I started, I volunteered to make masks for this one lady um, who was uh, in a nursing home in North Platte. I had no idea where North Platte was. Uh So I, we just emailed, we PM'd Facebook um, message back and forth. And then when I realized she was about five hours from me, I thought, well, heck, maybe I can just do this and hook up people in different places closer to the needs. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I decided to open up the Facebook group, Nebraska's Hands and Feet. I, I originally planned to connect needs to volunteers, mm-hmm. like I don't know exactly how I planned to do that, but that was my goal is to hook up people that had a need with people that could meet that need. Okay. And my particular role was I was going to make masks and try to distribute them to different places as people needed them. Mm-hmm. Well, the mask thing quickly took over. <laughs> um, it was such a massive need. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everybody was seeing the same thing I saw nurses doing without mm-hmm. um, the proper equipment to protect themselves and their patients. And so we just literally made masks. We made hundreds and hundreds of masks. The group started when I shared links in different pages that I am affiliated with. People started joining. We went from about 35 members on a Saturday afternoon to about a thousand members on Sunday night. Oh, wow. Wow. That's very nice. Yep. Yep. It was amazing. I, I mean, my husband, my son, my, my family, we were all just click, 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 (laughs) click, trying to approve all the membership, trying to read the story. Um, the news media picked up our story that weekend and that's what made it so popular so fast, but it caught the eye of Facebook. I got a message from um, somebody that said they were on the Facebook uh, groups team and was wondering why we had such a fast growing group. And I thought, oh, this is some scammer that, you know, somebody's trying to do something, figure something out. I don't know. But I answered her back and I I said, I said, sure, I'd love to chat. It really was somebody from Facebook. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, so, they were curious um, as to why, yes, yeah. it's so popular. Yep, yep. They, they, it caught their eye when so many members joined so fast. They wondered what was going what was on. Happening, yeah. um, and we kept in touch. Every week or two, I send her an update with the numbers of masks we've made. We made about, I don't remember the exact number, but it was about 10,000 masks in the first three or four weeks. Well, I think it was about three weeks. Okay, wow. And then... Um, the, the numbers just kept growing. We've made um, right at 65,000 masks to date wow. since March 21st. Yep. Oh, wow. April, May, two months. Two months. 
two months. Almost exactly. Not yep. Sixty-five thousand masks. Holy cow! And just to clarify, these are organizations or businesses that have a need for the masks but can't get a hold of them. So they're not just medical clinics. They're um, lots of different places. Omaha Housing Authority, right. just different places like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if 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 yep. Is if it's a for-profit organization, are the mass? Are we doing mass for those, or is it all nonprofits that we're doing, or how does that work? So, well, we when we first opened the group, the goal was to make masks mostly for nurses and healthcare agencies yeah. because that was mm-hmm. the urgent need. Yeah. But within three or four days of our group opening the CDC recommended everybody wear a face covering of some sort. And so quickly our mission became to make masks for everyone. So a couple requests for um, family members, for nurses, for companies. So whether it's for profit profit, or just a, a, somebody in a neighbor, we have, we have one um, man that has requested masks just to distribute in his neighborhood he's given out uh, that i'm aware of close to three thousand masks just in his neighborhood oh, wow. in south o so people can take this project on themselves to distribute to their neighbors their families their churches their friends whoever needs a mask can get a mask we have had some for-profit um the companies haven't actually asked for the masks let me clarify that. Okay. We've made for pro- we made masks for companies that are for profit, like Tyson, um, okay. like Beckton Dickinson, the lab in Broken Bow. Like we've made them for for profit companies, mm-hmm. but it's not the companies that are requesting the masks okay. officially. Right. It's usually um, an employee or a foreign employee, a friend, a relative, somebody reaching out to us saying, look, these people are essential workers and they're struggling to get their work done, but they have no protection. Can we help them? So most of the for-profit companies are trying to provide some sort of mask, some sort of covering, but um, often it's just not enough or there's not enough quantity. And so um, that's where we've stepped in and tried to help whoever asks for a mask. That's wonderful. That is fantastic. You know, I was really touched by one of your stories that you had in your um, instruction video for your very first video where you talked about how you were doing this as kind of a memory to your mom. Do you want to talk about that? You're going to make me cry. (laughs) Me too. Um, So the week or two before I actually opened the Facebook group, you know, as you always approach the anniversary of, loved ones deaths um you know your thoughts turn towards them you always wonder you know you know what what it's like where they are and you know you start to miss them a little bit more than normal um your your thoughts are just a little more melancholy and um reminiscent and so as i saw all of this unfold and, and and when I look back at it now, it almost feels like maybe a big production or a play about to open. And I see the fabric 
curtains pulling back as I look back in that memory of that time. And it just kind of all came together. Remembering mama, she taught me to sew. Um, she was always the hands and feet of Jesus. When we were growing up, we, we were raised in a Christian home and she was always working through Sunday school and church through the neighborhood mm -hmm. um, when people had illness or death in their family. Mama was always there and she, mm -hmm. she led by example, showing us how to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so as I literally lay in bed that morning, contemplating whether I should open this group and do this project, um, I just felt her presence. I felt a nudge, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. It was just, it was really special. And I kept thinking, I can't do this. It's too hard. It's going to be too much work. I can't make hundreds of thousands of masks. I can't do this alone. And I just kept sort of hearing mama kick me saying, just do it. Just go ahead and just do it. You know what you've got to do. Just do it. And so I did. Um, I clicked on the start a group thing on Facebook and it just happened. Yeah. It's been amazing how it's taken off and what you've accomplished. I'm sure she's been part of this with I'm floored. Yeah. It's amazing. And I know, I mean, I wish I could make more masks than what I can. <laughs> I I have surprisingly stayed busy. I'm working from home. So I've, I've surprisingly stayed busy, uh, you know, doing everything from home. I, mm -hmm. I think I'm busier now than what I was. Yeah, it seems like <laughs> it. But um, I made a few masks this morning. I got up this morning to make masks, but I, I kind of had taken the week to, to make masks for friends and family, and then I'll be back on it. But yes. some of these gals, I am just... I am just in awe. They're like, oh, here's 100 masks. I have this done. <laughs> oh, yeah, super quick. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Was I supposed to have these done before I volunteered? <laughs> and you're like, no. <laughs> they are just that so, fast. <laughs> and, and you guys are, are really understanding, too, because not, not everybody um, can sew all day. So, you know. No. Uh, in fact, when I opened the group, I thought, I'm going to make a few hundred masks. You know, this, you know, I'll, I'll contribute what I can. I literally can't get to 300 because I am so busy organizing, answering questions, sure. tagging people, yeah. helping people, matching up the needs. Uh, I do lots of clicking, lots of typing and clicking, <laughs> um, but less sewing than I had originally thought. Um, it's it's a little bit different when you are actually running the right sure project. I don't know what you call it, but well, you're definitely um, running it. Well, and you certainly seem to have a lot it, of help. That's fantastic. It is amazing. These people have like these people make me want to cry even more than the story about my mom. These people are amazing. Um, most of them, most of our volunteers are here in Nebraska, but we have sewing volunteers all over the country. Oh wow. We have some, yes, we have some in North Carolina, some in Pennsylvania, um, all over the country that are sewing and sending them to wherever we we have the need. Excellent. It is we have a one lady in California is making them just almost production line. She just works and works and works. She'll send me an email and say, "I have another hundred. Where do you want me to send them?" Wow, that's amazing. 
I know. I'm in awe of some of these. It's ladies. amazing. <laughs> yeah. I think we. I don't know. I, I what about some men? But <laughs> I'm not sure. Yes, we do have some men. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we do have some men. Oh, I'm so sure. Yeah. Um, we have some other men that are. Um, transport volunteers they're helping move fabric or masks from place to place great um mm-hmm. one of our um ladies hit 1000 masks the other day that she's made not all of them for our group wow. she does make them for her friends and family in other places but she hit 1000 the other day wow. that she's personally made and it's amazing i've just been so impressed with i mean everything but even your um the donation uh the fabric donation weekly events that you have you're doing them safely so oh yeah people can, co- can come and pick up the fabric to make the mask for their assignments and and you're doing it really safely uh, yep um that sort of unfolded as we began to realize some people had more fabric than could sew and then other people were running out of fabric so we set up the fabric exchange we started with one one event weekly up in um, Frederick Plaza in um, Omaha. And so we meet there Wednesday evenings and we, I have bags and boxes that I've prepped and people just drive by and we hand them their bag and they just keep going. Yeah. So we limit the social contact yeah. um, and try to keep everybody safe. There's usually just three or four of us volunteers that are helping to manage the movement of all of the um, supplies mm-hmm. so that um you know, we keep our less than 10 people um, <laughs> out go. and about, but we, we try to do everything safely. We've just in the past couple of weeks, we have started a second event at South Roads Mall on Sunday afternoons, hmm. mostly because it's closer to me. Yeah. Okay. And there are some people that can't come to a Wednesday night event because they do work. Right. And so we're, we've started having a Sunday afternoon event there. Okay, fair enough. It's, it's really a, a well-oiled machine. You've thought of yeah. so many details that I've seen. It's very organized. It's great. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it so. literally wasn't a big organization. Like, every, I don't know how to describe it. It literally has just happened and unfolded almost organically. Yeah. I, I, I can't really explain it other than I... I I was a domino <laughs> and I <laughs> fell into play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you were, I think you were meant to do this and it's just so yeah. touching that you've done it. And I now have a bodkin. I finally got my bodkin on Monday. You uh-huh. taught me what a bodkin was. <laughs> That's hilarious. I'm not a quilter. Well, I'm, I'm a, a, a costume sewer. So I don't, it's not like I have, I have scads of fabrics, but it's not the kind of fabrics that I would use for these masks. Um, So, so I really struggled. I had to dig um, to find some some cotton things (laughs) to kind of supplement, you know, what I've been getting, but Mm -hmm. um, it's been so helpful because that's, I'm a sewer, but I don't. I didn't have enough fabric to do it. Yeah, that makes it really nice. I really appreciate that you've just organized this and it's gone so well. And you taught me what a bodkin was. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I'm I'm glad to have taught people a few things. <laughs> so um, now, how can um, people volunteer uh, or get a uh, get in touch with you or your organization to volunteer to make some masks? How can they do that? 
So we still do need volunteers. Mm -hmm. We still have several thousand masks requested that we don't have volunteers for yet. We accumulate all of our requests on a Google form. So we sort of keep it organized. Nice. Um, my youngest son is my logistics coordinator and lead technician. So he did all of the Google forms for us. Um, but, um, we work through to match the need to the, to the sewing volunteer through the Google forms. Mm -hmm. Um, if you want to volunteer, we have a Google form in Nebraska's hands and feet, the Facebook group, everything is organized under announcements and in topics. So it's easy to find things once you kind of figure out how to navigate a Facebook group. Um, But my office um, website um, is joyfulhearthousecalls.com and you can find me through that. We have the masks for medics with the word for is actually the number four masks for medics.org is our official um, mask making website. So we have that and the links to the Google forms are there as well. But um, the easiest way is usually through the Facebook group itself, Nebraska's hands and feet. And how do you feel about masks? I know there's a lot of, um, a lot more controversy about them now. Like uh, your professional opinion, how do you feel about it? And where do you, how do you, where do you see it going in the future? So, that's a tough question um, and one I honestly don't know the answer to right now. Um, I think it's a simple tool that might be around a long while. I think it's a simple tool and a simple act of that we can all express as a way to show our concern for our fellow man whether we agree with mandates to wear them or not, I think they are preventing and limiting spray during talking, laughing, um, conversing. And so that will limit germ spread. We know without a doubt the germs are in our spray when we speak. And when that spray goes forth, not wearing a mask can contribute to that germ going six or eight feet from you in a building that can hover for longer periods of time before gravity takes over and the germs begin to settle. So wearing a mask is probably going to be the most effective way to prevent Um, sharing this germ and other germs. And I think we're probably going to be seeing masks pretty commonly for the next couple of years, maybe. And so the ones that we're making and um, the ones that I've been making are the ones that have the filter, the the possibility for a filter Mm -hmm. on the inside. And then I know the Olsen masks, the other ones that are not the, um, the gathered masks, those also have the ability for a filter. Do you, mm-hmm. do you see just non-medical staff and, and non-food staff? Do you think everybody should have that pocket um, mask or do you feel that, how do you, how do you feel about that? <laughs> yep. So the filters, when, when, when the mask 
makers started making masks, we all wanted to be able to put a filter in there because that's what we thought we needed. As the studies and reports and information has come out, both from governmental agencies and private sectors from even other countries, the data suggests that the filter is most helpful for healthcare workers taking care of sick patients. Whether it's COVID or not, if they're taking care of someone with an infectious communicable disease, having a filter adds a particularly stronger layer of protection. A filter is more likely to protect me. Okay. So a two-layer cotton mask protects you. If we're in the same room, my mask protects you. If you have a filter in your mask, it protects the wearer better. So most people don't really need the filter unless you're caring for someone sick with a communicable disease, flu, colds, COVID, those kinds of things. The general public can do just fine with a two layer cotton mask because the goal of that mask is to prevent the spray reaching out. The filter stops um, the germs from coming in. So some people, some lay people, especially those with high risks, asthma, COPD, um, um, different um, health conditions that impair their immunity, they can wear a filter. They can add uh, some device layer, extra filter layer, um, and, and be fine, but it's not all that necessary. Yeah. So maybe someone who's older that doesn't have necessarily a communicable communicable disease, but maybe they're in their 80s and they're a little bit compromised, they would they could consider doing a filter and, and that would be good for them. Right. And okay. some of those some of those people will use a filter. Um, I'm recommending just another layer of quilters cotton as that layer of filter fabric simply because other products create more difficulty breathing. And if these people are already right. compromised, yeah. If they're older, if they're asthmatic, if they have COPD, if they're already not breathing well because of either age or health issues, then adding a layer of filter material like hospitals or other healthcare agencies might be requiring could impair their breathing even more. And so just adding another layer of cotton is sufficient. And in in a pinch, a paper towel something in a pinch yeah i don't recommend paper towels they get Uh, too wet um they hold on to moisture and thus breed germs so i don't recommend any of the paper products for filters um some of the hospitals some of the agencies are specifying specific kinds of air conditioner filters or vacuum cleaner bags but some of those contain fiberglass fragments and pieces and we definitely do not want people buying those and breathing those in so that's that's a huge warning against filters for the layperson okay it's just it's just so interesting the things that i think that might happen like possibly will our all of our indoor air will 
will it somehow be filtered? Is, do you think the HVAC community is going to come up with something to help sterilize oh, the sure. air in some of these big businesses so we can get back to work and sit at our cubicles again? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's going to be interesting. Well, and it's kind of like, <laughs> yep, it's kind of like the you know UNMC here in Nebraska, one of the first things they did was they rigged up some UV lights to try to sterilize the N95 masks for their nursing staff, for their hospital employees. And they, they studied and counted the bacteria and swabbed and they made sure it was going to work. Um, and so like, you know, I'm kind of proud to be yeah. in Nebraska right now. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of research is going on right here in our own state, trying to figure out ways to make this better for people. Well, I just, really admire all of your work and everything that you've done to make this happen and yes. to continue to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole team that's helped you, including your son, that's just, yes. I really, yep. I, it's, I'm proud to be a part of what, what little I can do to help, but I still want to continue helping. I'm proud to be a part of that. Right. And I, I tell people in emails and messages all the time, every single stitch matters. Every single effort matters. We have people that can't sew a lick, but they are posting out there, begging for fabric, bringing fabric, collecting t-shirts, collecting elastic. Like they're, they're still working to make this almost well-oiled machine work. Um, like it really has been amazing to see all the different aspects just literally fall into place. Um, I, I couldn't have made it happen by myself. There's no way. I'm not from here. I'm from Mississippi. I don't have the connections to make this work. It's a pure miracle. It, it, I, I just don't have the words. I don't know how it all came together, except I did what God told me. Well, and your mom would just be so proud of you. I'm sure she's with you through this whole journey. Oh, she'd be sitting up in here telling me I'm not making that mask right. (laughs) (laughs) And everything I did wrong. She'd be right up in here sewing. She'd be cutting. She'd be working. I had to kind of self-teach myself to sew, believe it or not. My mom isn't really too much of a sewer. So I kind of just do whatever. Hopefully it's okay. Well, we have have some amazing teenagers in our group that are learning to sew. And it has been amazing to watch them start piecing this together. Like we have sewing volunteers of all ages, of all skill levels yeah. in this group. But to see the teenagers truly come out, like one of them just graduated high school this past week in an unprecedented kind of event, like without normal graduation ceremonies and normal senior year activities. Right. And she started going and putting masks together and getting masks out. Like, what teenager does right. that? It's really? nice to see. It's amazing. Yeah. It's very nice to see. I always get really excited when certain things happen in our culture that make people want to sew. Because um, not everybody, I'm not a quilter. I don't have the patience for it. Uh, so I, that's why I like costumes. And I know Project Runway was a big thing for some of the younger folks to get us into sewing. But that's mm-hmm. kind of gone by the wayside. So I mean, it's a terrible thing that's happened, but at least it's kind of an interesting thing to get people to not to not lose that skill. So, right for a few years, I thought sewing was a dying art. Yep. Um, probably, I would guess about ten years ago, maybe twelve years ago, it, it really saddened me because I thought 
people just don't sew anymore. And then something happened um, in the embroidery world. People began to learn to embroider and do these kinds of things on computerized embroidery machines. And Facebook became more popular. And so groups on Facebook started sharing things, skills and talents of all kinds. And as we got more um, proficient using social media, we, we found each other. Um, all the, all the people that sew, all the people that embroider, we started finding all these people and making all these connections all around the world. And so I have, I'm in probably 300, 400 sewing and embroidery groups. And I've watched sewing as an art come back into vogue. And now because of the masks that have to be made, sewing machines are sold out everywhere. Everybody that even thought they might want to learn to sew, they're learning to sew. They're making and masks. And they're going, well, what else can I make after all this is over? And I don't have to make masks anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're hooking right. people up. Speaking of which, uh, the ear savers, we've got somebody who's making them on their 3D um, printer. I, and I know you can knit them too, because I've considered doing that. Um, or crochet maybe. Yep. And then some caps yep. and, and gowns as well. Yes, we have a whole team of gown girls is what they've started calling themselves. (laughs) Natalie has put together this amazing group of women. She's actually on vacation this week. Um, And so we're thrilled that she got to go on her trip because she didn't think it was going to happen there for a little while. But um, she's out right now. But she has put together the absolute most amazing group of ladies who have made gowns. It takes about four yards of fabric to make a hospital gown. Um, It's an isolation gown. The nurses or other medical professionals use it when they have to enter rooms where patients are completely isolated because of their communicable disease or their health condition. And so they have to completely cover their clothing with a gown. They have to wear a mask as well as a face shield. And their hair has to be completely, their head has to be covered with scrub hats. So we've been making scrub hats. We've been making gowns. I think at the last tally, we had made about 150 gowns, I think, total. Um, It it may be a little more than that now. It's hard to keep up with everybody all the time. Um, but we've, we've made uh, uh, quite a few gowns, quite a few scrub caps, and um, lots of 3D printers are busy. We have a, I think he's about 13 or 14 year old little boy that is making um, ear savers, um, the yeah. little contraptions that you put behind your head to hook the elastic on. Oh, yeah. um, and then we have a guy in Plattsmouth who was uh, right away, he was volunteering his 3D printer to make ear savers. He started making face shields, so he makes them um, appropriate, just like they're required to be made for healthcare facilities. So he's made a lot of those. So, yep, we've got tons of volunteers and tons of people pulling it together. And like I said before, I could never have done this by myself. I didn't have the wherewithal, the knowledge, the connections, the networking. All I knew to do was start a Facebook group. And literally, people came out of the work everywhere yeah. trying to help. Everybody wanted something to do. 
we really did. People wanted to do something to make a difference. Yeah. And now look what we've done. Right. We've made 65,000 right. masks, hundreds of ear savers, hundreds of face shields, hundreds of gowns. Yeah. It's amazing. And it's an art. So it <laughs> it's an art that happened right here in the Platte River Valley. There you go. <laughs> Cuz you're from Platte. Right. Right. All right. So we're just so honored to be able to spend time with you talking to you about it. And hopefully yes. we've got some listeners who are interested to volunteer because I know we're always looking for volunteers to help with all of these. And it's it's a slow that'd be it's a great slow play. Like it's gonna ha- it's gonna be going on for a while. And you know, I know you had volunteers help you with this, but honestly, you're you're the one that organized it so that it could even happen. I mean if everyone just came out of the woodworks and talked to you and you didn't do anything with that information, it wouldn't have happened. So you, it says a lot about you and, and your, your abilities and your talents mm-hmm. to, to put it together. And I'm so grateful that you did. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And I have to know what is the video that you did today? <laughs> we have a new video coming. Yes. So I, um, because of, um, I'm sorry, I'm still teary-eyed from all your words. Um, Because the shift has happened that we are mostly providing for the general public now, there's not a a significant demand for the pocket masks. So I have created an updated pattern that uses one piece back with the same principle of putting the mask together as the previous pattern that had two pieces for the back to make a pocket. And now we just have one piece for the back. I've been putting together that tutorial. It was actually loading while ago. So I had to change gears when you oh sorry about that i know and we're complicated over here these days we like to just you know bring our equipment and show up and and just do everything so all you have to do is sit down for the microphone so yeah one of these days and we can safely do that we will do that again yes indeed (laughs) so so it's not so confusing these days (laughs) thank you again jenny you know i'm and i can't think of the person who has said this quote but um there there's a quote out there that talks about looking for the helpers in bad times. And I'm not sure who it's from. I'm going to have to Rogers. look it up. Is it Mr. Rogers? That is Mr. Rogers. Rogers. Okay. Something to the effect that when there's, when there's tragedy, when there's a storm, always yes, look for the that's helpers. that's it. Always look. Well, you're definitely a helper. And I wanted to make sure that we got you on. You want to thank you so much yes, for your you time. Yes, thank you very much. And I, I look forward to continue working with you. Awesome. I'm honored that y'all asked me to, to be here. Um, I'm humbled. I'm proud. Um, lots of emotions, but um, I'm truly blessed to be able to share my skills and to be able to put together the people that can do this because it's not all about me. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening and supporting the arts in the Platte River area and beyond. 
please subscribe to our podcast so you are sure to catch all of our future episodes and join us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Music for this podcast was used with permission by Screaming Skull Productions. See you next time on the Platte River Bard.